0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 42 of Her Story. This is your host, Cassidy Reid, and today I have guest Rachel Mason. Rachel is a UK multi-award-winning singer, songwriter, vocal coach, public speaker, TV music judge, best-selling author, mentor, philanthropist, and musical director. Whew, that was a lot to say in a resume. In this episode, Rachel and I discuss her songwriting career, mental health awareness, postpartum depression, and how it has inspired her music, how Prince Harry considers her to be an inspiration... What? I know, right? And her new EP, Get Over It, which is about mental health awareness as well. So please make sure you check out this episode, like and share with your friends. Please make sure to also check out our website. The link to our website is in all of our social media bios, so if you're not following us yet, please make sure you do. And if you're interested in being a guest on the show, please email me your bio to musicherstorypod at gmail.com. We would love to have you on the show for you to share your story. So I will see you next Monday.
1: I'm Rachel Mason. I'm a British singer, songwriter, artistic director, do all kinds of different musical things. Um, And yeah, I'm delighted to be on the podcast today.
0: Yay, I'm so excited you're here. I would like to start by just asking you what got you started in music in the first place?
1: Well, I've always been really musical. Uh, My parents always tell the story of, of me as a child, just picking up pop songs almost the second I heard them so I was only I was less than one I think I was really little and I would just listen to pop songs and be able to sing them back and I just seemed to have that ability to absorb um, kind of that slightly useless information I was never very good at maths but I could I could (laughs) regurgitate a pop song really quickly Um, and I could always um, see music as colours so I have a condition called synesthesia Um, that quite a few musicians have Um, and so it means that I see music as colours and I can taste music sometimes as well so I've always had that kind of that connection to music so it just I've just always loved it and it's always been part of my life so it felt very natural to go into it as a career because it's it's kind of like my body was built to listen to music and create music
0: that's awesome. And yeah, I'm always jealous of people that have synesthesia because I feel like it would be so cool to be able to visualize sound. I think that's awesome.
1: It's it's strange. yeah. I, I assumed as a child that everybody has it because you just think everybody's the same, don't you? When you're little and you, um, and it's not until I spoke to my parents about, I mentioned the song Wuthering Heights, the Kate Bush song. And I said, mm-hmm. um, um, what kind of green is it when you listen to it and they just looked really blankly at me and they said it's a song it's not a colour and I said no but it's green in my head when I when I listen to it and they just they had no idea what I was talking about and this was back in the 80s so we didn't have the internet and things then to look that up so they probably just thought I was really odd I was a really strange child and it wasn't till much later on I realised yeah I, through research what it is and that other people do seem to have it and um, and it, it's it's kind of it's kind of cool I guess I don't know what it's like to not have it because I've always I've always had it
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> um, but I, I'm quite lucky in that I see it in my mind's eye rather than physically because I know some people physically see it so when they're talking they can see like a purple cloud next to their head that's in so real life
0: cool. wow. which
1: I imagine would be quite distracting yeah <laughs> exactly. all sounds have, have a colour to them so I, I thought gosh that would be quite distracting when you're driving and listening to music or something you might see all these <laughs> different colours yeah. in front of you it might be difficult to see through the windscreen um so yeah I feel very very blessed that I have it and it makes uh doing lighting plans for shows quite easy because I I just See the color for the song and then I just tell the lighting team, oh, it's this this kind of blue, this for this song. And <laughs> so that's it's quite a useful skill.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. And so so you've done so many things um so far in your life, and you you've are a multi-award-winning singer, songwriter, vocal coach, public speaker, TV music judge, best-selling author, mentor, philanthropist, and music director. So many things, and so awesome <laughs> that you not only being like yourself, but also as a woman are representing know everyone in this music field and i'd like to dive into some of the things and some of the projects you've done but first i'd like to ask what got you into like songwriting in the first place like what kind of steered you towards that direction um being a vocalist and also songwriter
1: i've always just been obsessed with with songs and have always kind of written songs in my head so from quite young i remember just sort of coming up with lyrics and and tunes and things and i And I would just sing them and my parents would say, well, what's, what's that? And I'd say, I don't know. It was in my head. Um, But again, this was back in the 80s. So you couldn't, we didn't have Shazam or anything where you could like (laughs) check what that song was. So, yeah, I've just always made up songs. I think find different things inspire me. And I just, just come out with, with lyrics and melodies, which is interesting because my three-year-old daughter does exactly the same. She just bursts with, like suddenly she just sees something and then she just makes up a little riff about it or something and I think oh my goodness that her brain is just like mine it's really strange to see it in another person mm-hmm. as well um and um so I've always just always been been like that and so writing songs came quite naturally I, I, I started writing when I was about I think four was when I wrote my first song it probably wasn't very good but it was just a thing <laughs> that I came out with <laughs> I was no Mozart I can tell you that um, yeah and, and then I just carried on writing and my parents always encouraged it. I have, I have wonderful parents who, who really love music as well. And they used to play me lots of different music and say, what do you imagine, what do you imagine when you hear this? And so they'd, they'd always really kind of inspire me and give me lots of different things to listen to. So I had lots of different reference points rather than just what was in the chart at the time. They would play lots of different things to me and classical things as well. And, um, and so I had, had this really rich musical kind of um, tapestry um going on in my childhood which was lovely and then yeah. going through school I always took music as an option um to study whenever there was whenever there was an option and I had singing lessons and piano lessons and um yeah and took took music all the way through um mostly it was classical and I was singing classical music so I was a a kind of Soubrette light soprano for quite a long time which um, which is funny now and I think back you know singing Marriage of Figaro and things I'm like that's not what I sound like now <laughs> but it was certainly fun at the time and then um, when I did my music degree that was a very classical music degree which was great Um, but I was starting to realise at that point that I wanted to write my own kind of more kind of pop pop singer-songwriter songs yeah. so I would spend all evening in the well, all night in the studio a local studio to, to the university um, and then I get up the next morning and go to my 8am uh, Beethoven lecture <laughs> with sunglasses <laughs> on <laughs> trying to concentrate. It. And, and it was this bizarre kind of um, dual life I was I was living um, yeah. but I was starting to kind of realize what I wanted to do and and certainly the music degree was still fantastic because you learn so much about um, the principles of music and and different influences we studied jazz and early music and all kinds of different things and, and were, that were fascinating um, but it was starting to make me realize that I didn't want to be a classical singer anymore mm-hmm. so it was it was kind of shaping me in in both ways actually what I did want and what I didn't want so it was it was a, it was a challenging time but really yeah really important um, to lead me to, to kind of where I am now
0: yeah that's excellent and so what kind of broke you into the scene of you know because you've written music for yourself but also american idol alumni voice uk winners grammy nominees and movie stars so your your songs are all over basically um so what kind of broke you into that
1: um a lot of it's just kind of knowing the right people um And, and getting in touch with people, people are just people generally, you know, there's there's always like the, the scary, much more famous ones that I probably would be way too frightened to contact. Um, but <laughs> most people who are sort of semi-famous or have some kind of notoriety, that we have the wonder of social media now, and so you can yeah. contact pretty much anyone, um, and most people are just fairly normal, um, and so I've got to know all these different people through, through different different things and um and one particular um experience was (laughs) was quite amazing was I would just given birth to my daughter who's who's almost four now and um and I had received an email asking me to be a judge on a on the television shows that they were making um and I of course said no because I just had a baby I was there in maternity wear with baby sick all over me and I looked revolting I was like I am not tv ready you would <laughs> if you saw me right now you'd think yeah that's not that's not what we want for our judging panel um, and so I said no I I really can't do it I've just had a baby and they said we really really want you because it was a, it was an acapella um show and i've got quite a lot of acapella experience for judging and singing and things and they seemed to really like me in that i was i was different to um other acapella judges and um
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and so i said oh well, okay well i can do it if you if i can bring my husband and baby because i can't obviously can't leave my child at home for a week um without me and so they were like yep yeah, that's fine bring everybody <laughs> so we trundled off to london and my husband took uh, layla off around London in the little baby Bjorn. And um, they went off and saw all the sights of London and I was filming at the studio. Um, and through that, I met some of the most amazing people. And I, I was there on this judging panel with, um, with like Joanna Lestrange, who's a, um, a swing, a former Swingle singer who was just so lovely and so talented. And um, and then Aaron Lee Lambert, who's a um, musical theater performer. And he had just gone into Hamilton then the the original London cast and we all we all made such good friends the judges it was just such a bizarre experience we were all thinking what are we doing here <laughs> what are we doing and it was a lovely show and we met I met the vamps there and mid and lots of the Gregory Porter lots of people who were on the show and it was just um, a kind of really incredible kind of landmark experience for me because then I seemed to get this kind of rubber stamp of like you're good enough to have been on this TV show. So therefore you must be good enough to work with me kind of thing. Whereas mm-hmm. I was clearly still the same person. Um, but, um, yeah, that was an amazing experience. So I've worked with almost all the judges since then done lots of different projects with them. And, um, Aaron is, is still in Hamilton at, well, obviously the shows aren't on at the moment, but he's still on the, the principal cast of Hamilton and he and I wrote a song together, um, inspired by Black Lives Matter and so he sings lead vocal on that and then two other cast members from Hamilton sing the backing vocals and wow. it was just this bizarre experience of having so them crazy. on a song that i co-written it was just like that I, th- I thought that this is just mad that I'm, I'm this that a song I've written has these people singing on it and since then we've made friends kind of over the internet and stuff. And I'm writing with my co-writer, Nina, I'm writing songs for Sharon Rose, who's also in Jingle Jangle, the Netflix film Um, and, and Waylon Jacobs, who's a major musical theater star. And it's, I just can't believe I get to write for these incredible voices. It just feels, it feels, yeah, like it's strange that this is my life.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's so amazing. And I'd like to touch on some of your other work as well, um, because Mm -hmm. you have done a lot of work with mentoring young artists from disadvantaged backgrounds Um, and even Prince Harry, what, called you an inspiration. (laughs) So I read that and I was like, oh my gosh, how awesome is that? So can you talk a little bit about your work that you've done with young artists and and helping promote um, them as, you know, people and as artists as well?
1: Sure yeah I think I, I'm I'm a real like people refer to me as like a mama bear I think since especially since I've had my children I've become even more <laughs> kind of protective over young people and I had some some quite negative experiences when I was a young kind of performer and things because you don't particularly as a woman you don't get treated very well and you get sort of belittled and um, and also you just don't know who to trust you don't know in the industry who is who is trustworthy, who is good, who's going to treat you well, who's who's a bit dodgy, who's, you know, who's someone you should avoid. And because I've had these experiences, um, I've wanted to pass it on to other young artists so they don't ha- have to deal with that on their own, because it's it's a lot. And it's sometimes you know parents who aren't part of the industry, they come to me and they just say, we just don't know which... You know, which which studio for our daughter to work at? Like, where where should we do this? Which kind of course should, should they do? And because mm-hmm. they they just wouldn't know; they haven't got the experience. And so I feel like with with the things I've been through, negative and positive, I can um, help mentor young people um and give them a give them a good footing and then support them as they go through when they're rec- recording albums and things sometimes they phone me up and they go oh I'm just terrible I shouldn't be making music and I say it's all right calm down let's let's have a cup of tea and talk about it and and um often they just need a kind of um like a shoulder to cry on sometimes and a yeah. um someone to kind of boost them up when they're feeling low and um you don't always get that in the industry it's it can it music the music industry is often really tough and people are waiting for you to lose your confidence so they can take take your place can you know that they're, they're quite pleased when you when you um aren't feeling as great they're like great that's you know I can get her out of the way um Mm-mm. so I really like being the opposite kind of force and um yeah so so yeah it's my absolute privilege to be able to to do that for as many artists as as need me, basically.
0: Yeah, I mean, we talk about this a lot on the podcast, the idea of mentorship and how people don't place enough value on Mm. mentors and how important they are for young folks and for anybody that's trying to make it in any sort of career path, let alone music. So um, Mm. I think that's really awesome that you are doing that even in your, your place in your life that you have found the opportunity to do that and to help those folks because I think that's really amazing.
1: Oh, thank you. I just feel it is my honour to be able to to help anyone, um, particularly at the moment. It's such a tough time for for young people and, you know, yeah. wanting to go into the creative arts. And it looks like, you know, <laughs> is there going to be a creative arts coming out of, of this um, pandemic? And so they need yeah. that, that support. It's, <laughs> it's hard. It's really hard. And um, just having the perspective of being that much older and having been through things, I can say you know yeah things are really tough um at times but but you will come through it if you're determined and if you're a nice person and attract the right people to you Mm -hmm. then then you're likely to to be all right
0: yeah yeah for sure and not only have you done all this work helping youth but you had mentioned that you're kind of like a mama bear since you've become a mother and all these things, but you've done a lot for maternal mental health issues yourself and as an ambassador for mental health and for for women and those with children. So I want to touch a little bit on this because you've run an organization or some workshops called lyrical light um, which is a songwriting workshop for those with maternal mental health issues so you have that you've touched on and then also you also wrote a best-selling book called not the only one which includes some of your lyrics and stories about your life and from those who struggled with their own mental health issues um, after becoming parents so can you talk a little bit about not only the songwriting workshops but also your book as well
1: Sure. Yeah, it was, yeah, going through postnatal depression I, in America, you refer to it as postpartum depression, mm-hmm. but it's the, the same thing. Um, yeah, I really struggled after my daughter was born. So actually, when I filmed the TV show Sing Ultimate Acapella, I had like crippling postnatal depression. So I'd be there with all my spangly makeup on and things looking great well sort of um but yeah really really struggling inside um and that just got worse and worse and worse and I didn't talk to anyone about it because I was so afraid that there was something wrong with me and they'd take my child away um and it took me a long time to realize it was postnatal depression and it's it affects like one in seven women It's, Mm -hmm. it's it's a really really high number and um the more I kind of researched it online, the more I realised it was really common. And there's a lot of really amazing mums and dads who quite openly talk on their Instagram accounts about their own maternal mental health struggles, like what they felt since they've had children, you know, it hasn't been all kind of sunshine and rainbows, they've they've really struggled. And, um, and, and the only thing that seemed to help me at the time, because I refused to talk to anybody, I hadn't even told my husband that I'd that I was struggling that much. I used to um, write lyrics down in my songwriting book um, about how I was feeling, because I knew that if anyone found the book, I could just say, oh, they're just lyrics that I'm writing. And they wouldn't necessarily, it it didn't feel like a diary entry, which um, would be a bit more incriminating. And they go, "Mm, is there something wrong? Um, And I found writing, just writing down those lyrics really helped me. It was like helping me process what I was going through. And then when I eventually we, we had we had my um had our little boy um eighteen months later and and the same thing happened again. I was really struggling again, um, but this time I went for help straight away. I told my husband and my immediate family and my close friends and I went to the doctor and um, had some counseling and was put on some um, antidepressants to kind of level me back out and and then I felt kind of confident to well more confident to actually openly say that I had been struggling. I just felt like such a fraud when people, when my the TV show aired um, like four months after it was filmed and people would, you know, that I knew from school and things would message me and say, oh, you've got it all together. Look at you, you know, you're on TV looking fabulous and you just had a baby and everything's great. And I just thought, I'm such a liar. I'm such a liar. And And I thought that's really unfair to other people, to other mums, to come across like everything was great when it really wasn't. That's not, that's not an honest, loving thing to do. And so I thought, I can't pretend anymore. This is not right. So I just, I wrote a post on, on my Instagram and, and Facebook um, just basically explaining that I'd had postnatal depression and that I was coming through it and things. But um, yeah, I just wanted to be open about it rather than pretend everything was okay Mm -hmm. um because anyone who was going through that I wouldn't want them to think oh well you know what's what's my problem when Rachel's doing so much more and and seems to have it all together because it's just is that was not the case at all and then I had loads of people contact me um saying that's exactly how I felt or that my sister's gone through that or my friend or my mum or it was just like hundreds and hundreds of messages from people I knew people I didn't know and one of the things I talked about in my my Facebook Instagram post was how writing lyrics had helped me and so lots of people contacted me and said would you be able to write some lyrics with me to help me kind of process this and I said well I'm I'm not an expert but I'm I'm happy to to do that with you if you want to come over we'll have tea and cake and our kids can play together and we'll We'll write some stuff down
0: mm-hmm. and then that
1: gradually formed into these lyrical light workshops where groups of mums and dads would get together with me and we'd in this very non-judgmental environment because they knew I felt I'd felt exactly the same as them so I wasn't going to judge them we would talk about how we'd you know what we'd been through and how we were getting on now and um and through that we wrote we wrote um the lyrics and yeah and so they they're included in this this book that I wrote um that was partly I had it in my mind that I wanted to write a a book like that because there isn't one that exists and I was looking for something like that when I was going through the worst of my postnatal depression um and then there wasn't such a book so I thought oh well I'll I'll write one (laughs) in my slightly weird way of like well I'll just it can't be that hard possibly um so I and with with lockdown I haven't been able to In the UK, we haven't been able to go out and do anything for months. Um, So I haven't been able to travel and perform and I can't really teach singing much at the moment. I can't run my choirs. I can't really do anything. So I Mm -hmm. thought, oh, I'll um, I'll write a book. (laughs) So I did. So I contacted all these amazing mums and dads that I'd made friends with through Instagram over the last couple of years and said, would you would you be okay with me including your story in the book? And they all said yes, um, and they were just like, well, if it can help one, at least one person to not feel as bad as we did, then, then it's, that'd be worth it. So they, they all willingly gave their stories and I included the lyrics from the songwriting workshop, some of the workshops that I'd done. And then one of my, my friends, Holly, she's a poet um, and she'd also had postnatal depression and she contributed a whole set of poems about sort of that period of her life. Um, which are scattered through the book as well. So it's um it was quite a it's quite an unusual book. It's a book that as a parent you never have time to read a whole book. That's just, you know, you pick it up one day and read something and then I don't know, two months later you pick it up and you <laughs> can't remember what the heck the book was about. So this is very much a book that you can dip in and dip out. There's no continuous narrative. So you can just read a story or read a poem and um it's the kind of size you can put it in your Baby's nappy bag when you go to the park, yeah. <laughs> just whip it out, read a bit, put it away, because um, it's yeah. It, parents just don't have the time to to give to to reading a book like they possibly would have before they had children. Mm-hmm. So um, it's uh, it's written in that way to make it accessible to them.
0: That's excellent, and I I do agree. You you brought up a a point about how people aren't really postnatal depression or postpartum depression or whatever you choose to call it is kind of taboo um, Mm. in the sense that no one really talks about it. And it's not historically has been considered like a serious issue. Um, And a lot Mm. of women have covered it up or have made excuses thinking that they're a bad mom for having depression after having, you know, a child that's supposed to be this, you know, the greatest thing ever and this gift of life and all these things. And then they feel so depressed and so empty and like I, even just having conversations with my own mother, like she's like, yeah, I think I may have had it, but and then she like moves on because yes. even until recent years, it hasn't been something that women have been comfortable talking about. Mm. And so I think it's really great that you are providing those resources and those ways for women or whoever, any parent to kind of come to terms with it and to also heal. I think that's really great.
1: I think, well, it, it, part of it was um, Chrissy Teagan talking about her post-age depression that was that had a huge impact on me because she's someone who was just gorgeous and rich and fabulous and is married to John Legend you know it's pretty pretty epic life and she really really struggled and I know a lot of people really judged her and said oh you've got everything you know you've got a nanny and you've got a cook and stuff why why Mm. why are you struggling and it's it's not about that it's 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 a, it's a chemical imbalance that you can be caused yeah. by you know exacerbated by tiredness and like struggling to um, to breastfeed and all these different things and you're in this kind of soup of emotions after the baby's born and 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 it it just it it doesn't discriminate um post-natal yeah. depression it's like no matter from what what background um any ethnicity any any either gender it just doesn't discriminate it's like if you're going to get it you're going to get it and um so Chrissy Teigen opening up about that really made me realize okay it's you know it's it's okay to talk about it and it made me like her even more because she's always quite open about talking about things yeah she is um, she's and she's a she's a really good example of of that and then lots of other people have talked about it since then Brooke Shields has spoken about it and things Mm -hmm. and it's um you kind of go oh okay it is actually more common it's it it feels easier to talk about it now but it's still a big a big thing that that we just don't want to admit because it, yeah we sound kind of ungrateful we've just had this child yeah. when you know you might have friends that can't have children and and then you know you just you just feel ungrateful and and it's it's a really difficult difficult thing to to do and i remember thinking well i'm i'm a woman this is what i'm made for i'm 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 graded. To give birth why am mm-hmm. I finding this so hard you know it's just having children for heaven's sake you know <laughs> it can't <laughs> be that difficult <laughs> famous last words that was uh, yeah I remember saying saying that you know my midwife said oh you know because you've had mild depression before you you are you are sort of uh statistically more likely to have postnatal depression and I just remember hearing her say that and going oh okay and thinking in my head no I won't no I won't I won't let that happen." Mm -hmm. like no amount of determination can stop it happening if it's going to it just will and and it's not a failure it's just what's happening in your body and it's not your fault and I think that's starting to to become more normalized now which is good and so if I can do anything to contribute to the kind of positive message of that and the recovery then I feel Um, honored to do so like if I'm going to go through it then if I can do something positive coming out the other side then it it was worth it
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah, for sure and you brought up the the point when you were talking about Christy Teagan and I just want to delve into that a little bit more is that you know when when you have a prolific social media profile like someone like she does um, Mm. normalizing things like that and coming out and speaking and saying you know like I've struggled with this too is so profound in the way that mm. now all these people are going to be reading that and saying oh yeah like I do too and that is so, there's so much power to that right being a yes. person that has a big community of people a big following coming out and normalizing something like that that wasn't normalized so much in the past has a profound effect and can connect people too through their struggles mm. so i think it's really important that you know celebrities or political figures or what have you are normalizing these issues that a lot of people struggle with
1: absolutely yes I'm I'm all for that and it doesn't diminish them as as a person it actually makes us feel more connected to them and and realize really they're just like us they might have more money and success but they're just people and and it's okay to not be okay and Mm -hmm. um going for help is is the most important thing and yeah, I, I think I'm sure that, you know, if if Chrissy Teigen speaking out about it helped me, I'm sure it helps a lot of other people too.
0: Yeah, and I want to kind of spin and take a different direction. Sure. <laughs> um, not only are you doing all of that work because you're just doing so many things and I love it. <laughs> you also created um, the Songwriters Circle with Reva Taylor. And um, yeah. I can include the link to it as well when I post this episode, but it's um, onlinesongwriters-circle.com and it nurtures talent, helps songwriters find great performance opportunities and it runs the Strive Songwriting Competition. Um, so can yeah. you talk a about a little bit about that project what kind of inspired you to um, create this resource for folks and what you do with it
1: sure well Reva and um, a very famous songwriter called Jeff Cohen um, had mm-hmm. already set up the songwriter circle and I found it on Instagram and thought oh this is fascinating because there's a lot of songwriters that I really respect who are connected to it so like the Shires and um James Walsh from Star Sailor and Shai Carter and lots of people who were amazing and I thought oh this looks cool so I contacted Reva so we're friends through Instagram again <laughs> most of my friends are through Instagram I've never met these people but we're but we're friends and um and so I kind of came on board um through that they'd already the two of them have an awful lot of contacts um and so they were putting on performances at the Roundhouse in London um which is a fantastic venue and at the bluebird in nashville which is an even more fantastic venue and reva and i were talking about um you know being female songwriters and things and there's quite a lot of things she's been through as well which haven't been great and so we've had similar experiences and and we wanted to kind of nurture and support people and give them advice um so it's kind of like what i do with my mentoring but on a bigger scale because she and Jeff have got all the contacts yeah and um so we set up Strive through that because I've done a, a lot of contest judging um I've been very fortunate in my career to judge lots of different contests like the UK songwriting contest internet intercontinental songwriting awards and lots of different things and I love I love doing that um and so we set up Strive um as a free entry um competition because a lot of competitions are really expensive to enter, which can, especially at the moment, people just can't afford to do that. But it means you get that support um, without having to shell out any money. So we've had entries pouring in from all over the world, um, which has been lovely. And it's a way for us to kind of give back to the songwriting community and um, for a lot of competitions, you win money, which is which is great. Or you might win a guitar or something. But what we wanted to give is um, advice. So we've got um, the judge, so Jeff Cohen, who's this major songwriter, and then um, the vice president of um, AceCap is um, Simon um, Greenaway, and then me, we're the judges. And so the winner gets um, mentoring and advice from an industry. Professional, which is something that you just don't normally get. You can't, you can't get that, and you can't, you know, to pay for it would be really expensive. But you know, knowing how to get your songs in front of the right people and um, getting advice about um, co-writing and um, licensing your songs and and sync and all these different things that are that are so important nowadays that a lot of songwriters don't necessarily have the knowledge about a lot of I'm I'm very much a technophobe and I've had to get used to technology um I just like writing songs (laughs) and I've had to get used to everything else because you have to nowadays that's music is pretty much all online and um so we wanted to be able to support the songwriting community in a way that they often aren't supported so that's where where we were coming from with that
0: that's awesome and yeah i think that that's great that you're supporting that community i'm i'm not a songwriter myself but when i think about songwriting it's again i'm going to use this word taboo i think it's the word of the day is taboo yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's a little like taboo to me like how people get themselves you know, to a point where they can make money songwriting or, mm. um, you know, um, make their way in the industry. It kind of like, I feel like for a lot of people it just kind of happens and they know the right people and they, you know, and that sort of thing. Mm. And so I feel like it's great that you have this community and you're creating this organization that is providing that support. So people have the resources to be successful songwriters because yeah, I feel like it's a little kind of up in the air like there's no like structured way of you do this then you do this and then you get a job you know what I mean?
1: Yes yeah it's it is difficult and it's really off-putting for young writers because they're like what's the point you know I can be sitting here writing songs in my bedroom and the only people who will ever hear it is my mum and dad <laughs> what's the point and so it's it's getting from that point of of being a you know a young writer to be able to to show your songs to the right people get get them involved in in all different kinds of projects and and work with with others you know getting getting in touch with the right producers and um, sound engineers and uh, managers and it's it's not an easy industry so being able to support people who 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 are really talented but just don't have the contacts um, feels a real privilege to be able to because we might give the world some amazing music that you know, that, that it didn't have before that we couldn't we couldn't access before um, through these amazing young artists. So, yeah, it'd be great for some of them to succeed and um, and do really well.
0: Yeah. And I also wanted to touch a little bit on some of your musical projects as well. Um, You had mentioned the song that you wrote called Make a Start that you um, had performed with members of the cast of Hamilton for Black Lives Matter organization. So can you talk a little bit more in depth about that project and the purpose of raising money um, for charities that support Black youth?
1: Sure. Um, So it was mainly well we all know racism is as, as a huge issue and it's not something that's gone away it's not something that's just just turned up now it's it's just always been there it's a huge issue
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um Aaron is um so I met Aaron doing the the tv show Aaron is um American but he moved over to um well to Scotland actually and then to London for the rest of his his training and he he's um he's black and he has had to deal with a lot of different different kind of issues in his life and he and um going into the cast of Hamilton which is the the most kind of inclusive show that's ever existed I think um where there's more black and Asian and you know people than than what you know standard white people that you would expect in a in a musical and so the cast are just incredible and um Aaron and I have have talked quite a lot about um you know different different issues in in the music industry and different things you have to overcome and um he's an amazing performer I've seen him in in lots of other shows and he's just just amazing and then of course the George Floyd murder happened and that it's hard not to be impacted and that uh impacted you know emotionally from from seeing that um I think that was something that echoed all around the world and even people who thought well I'm not racist that's you know you know still looked at themselves and thought this isn't right we can't let this go on anymore and it really impacted me I felt and it was you know time in in you know the, the pandemic was happening you felt disconnected from your friends and family and then for that to happen was just so awful and I live uh, just outside Bristol which is a city that kind of just after that, kind of was famous all around the world for p- pulling down the um, Edward Colston statue. The uh, you probably heard about that on the news and things. There was uh, he was yeah. a um, somebody who made an awful lot of money from slavery, and mm-hmm. so Bristol has a huge history of slavery. So a lot of the wealth of Bristol is kind of basically built on the backs of slaves, which is awful, and it's something I've always really hated, and the fact that our concert hall here is called colston hall and a lot of the buildings a lot of the streets are called colston 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 and there's the colston school there's his name is just everywhere and that always really bothered me because i was like why are we giving this much power to someone who did some really terrible things that this is someone who his money came from slavery this is not right this is not particularly in this day and age and we have um our our mayor of Bristol is black and our um lord lieutenant of Bristol is black and for them to have to see that this huge Edward Colson statue walk past that every day to their jobs was really offensive to them which is you know I, I totally see why and so when the statue got pulled down and thrown in, in the river in Bristol, I was, I was cheering. I was delighted about that because, <laughs> because the, the different um, sort of um, groups in Bristol, the people in charge, have had the option of tearing it down for a long time and have always said no. Yeah. And, and then it was like the will of the people and they whipped it down in the river, which is where a lot of slaves drowned that he you know and, and, and it was his fault so it was it was kind of poetic justice so that's where he ended up um and Aaron and I spoke quite a lot about that at the time because I thought I just don't I, I can't do nothing anymore just not being racist isn't enough anymore that actually if you're not doing something positive you're basically part of the problem
0: mm-hmm. and
1: that was a big thing to realize but I thought, I have to I have to do something, I can't just not do anything anymore. And so Aaron and I um, talked about this quite a lot and we over Zoom, we wrote, we wrote this song, which, because we don't have answers, nobody has answers on this, otherwise racism wouldn't exist anymore, we'd have solved the problem years ago. Um, and so we wrote this song basically about not really knowing what to do, but knowing we have to do something. So that's why we called it, Make a Start Um, because it's a conversation I had with my husband actually I said it just feels like too big an issue it's it's so big that you don't know where it almost feels like it's overwhelming you don't know what to do and my husband said well that's not a good enough reason not to make a start and I was like oh I've got a very wise husband and um, I said that to Aaron and he went that's our title and so the whole song is about supporting each other and being there for each other even though we don't always have the answers and it might not go well all of the time but being there holding hands you know supporting each other um it's such a big thing so having then having um Sharon Rose and Waylon Jacobs who are also um black um actors be doing the backing vocals was so powerful the first time I heard it I was just just weeping because they really mean it it's a really strong message in the song and um and then we we recorded that and and released it, and we um wanted all the profits to go to um charities that support support black youth so there's a um, one in Bristol called babasa which um mentors um young people who are from disadvantaged backgrounds who who don't have access to um the education and things so they often drop out of school and get into um crime and things um so this this project really helps them um kind of make something of their lives that they're really proud of and a lot of them have now gone into business all the people who've come through this scheme are doing amazing things now Um, and then the other project we wanted to support was the black ticket project which allows um which encourages young black people to to be have access to the arts to be able to go to theater go go to art installations go and see these things that they normally couldn't have the, the, the funds to support so it's you know making the arts accessible for all was um important to us so um so yeah that's what we what we did with the project
0: <laughs> that's amazing that's so awesome um yeah so many great things that you're doing to help so many people and i think that's awesome like you're touching on helping mothers and helping kids and helping <laughs> minoritized populations and all sorts of great things um I also wanted to touch on the, this festival that you started to help a British mental health charity. And so, can you talk a little bit about this international arts festival called Unlock Your Talent?
1: Yeah, that was another kind of weird thing that I did in lockdown because <laughs> I wasn't doing anything else. And I and um, I, I have a lot of connections with this mental health charity. They're they they live in they're based in the village next to mine and they actually um supported me when I went through um a divorce years and years ago and went through a like a really horrific time in my mental health and they um provided the counseling for that and I know that if they hadn't been there for me then I wouldn't be here today so they they saved my life and I'm always very very willing to say that to people that they, they saved me And um, so I've always done anything I can to raise money for them because they're a a charity, they're a not-for-profit and they um, provide counselling for people who really can't afford it. And that's a lot of people at the moment. A lot of people need counselling and can't afford it. So their their funds are very low and their overheads are very high at the moment. They've got an enormous waiting list of people desperate for, for help. And um, so over the years, I've done lots of fundraising with my, my show choirs and different things. We put on concerts and things, um, but obviously can't put on a concert at the moment. So I thought, right, I'm gonna have to think of another way to support them. And then I had this idea that came to me at about 3 a.m. I think I was feeding my baby and uh, 3 a.m. this idea pops into my head. Yeah, I'll, I'll do a competition Um, because I'm used to judging I thought oh, I'll just do a little singing competition a local one and people can can send their videos to me and they can pay an entry fee but all the money will go straight to Vine counselling services not to me and I thought we'll do that and then I spoke to the the director of Vine counselling and she was like oh that's amazing or maybe we could make it a bit bigger and make it like the whole county or something and I said yeah that's fine and then I um, I was in touch with a lot of my my kind of creative friends at that point because all of us were really struggling it was the point when all the theatres were were closing and all gigs were cancelled all tours and a lot of them were really down and so I was in touch with a lot of them at that point so I spoke to one of my friends um, who is in she's one of the professionals in um, Strictly Come Dancing and you've got Dancing with the Stars over in the states that's what we we have Strictly Come Dancing over here and she said, well, if you do a dance category, I'll judge the dance category. And she's like a major star. And I was like, really? Okay, cool. So I thought, right, we'll add a dance category. And then we, um, and then Amy Bebbington came on board and we did a choir's category. And we had um, some of the members of the Swingles um, judging the songwriting and singing ones. And um, David Webb from British National uh, English National Opera was, was judging and then we had Deke Sharon from the Pitch Perfect movies come on board and then um, Aaron um, from my friend from Hamilton and then one of my friends from Wicked my friends from Hairspray like all these people just came on board and I said well I I can't pay you because the whole project is for charity so no one's making any money including me and they all said it's fine it's fine and so many of them said how much they'd struggled with their mental health at this point but also in the past and were very willing to give their time to help raise money for for mental health and um and a lot of them did these lovely videos talking about their mental health experiences as well which was so moving because these people you see them and you think they must have it all together they're just amazing and then they're there talking about having like crippling anxiety and you know struggling with all different kinds of things and um, it was really empowering for a lot of people to you know go for help because they realized that no matter who you are you can you can struggle um, and so we ended up having like thousands of entries from we, we, we kind of extended it to the, across the country because people further further away were saying oh can we enter and, <laughs> and I was like oh okay and so we thought right we'll make it the whole of the UK and then one of my friends in Ireland said oh my daughter really wants to enter the dance category but because they're in Ireland they couldn't they couldn't enter and I was like oh and and she's she's this really talented ballerina I was like oh no and I said I think they're gonna have to make it international so suddenly it became from going from this very tiny singing competition just in my village it became an international arts festival because we had like 15 different categories we had um short stories and poems and um, makeup and like anything you can imagine. It was all in there, graphic design, all sorts, and um this amazing panel of 50 judges um, who all gave their time for free. And a lot of them gave um mentoring as a prize as well. So there were incredible prizes. So um so some people won amazing things that you wouldn't normally be able to pay for. Like um it was just it was just incredible. I was just overwhelmed by. The generosity and it made uh, made thousands and thousands of pounds for the charity and raised the profile of the charity as well because so many famous people were involved in it the the press across the country and across the world were interested so I was talking to international press all the time about it which was brilliant for the for this very little charity that's now got lots more support um and it's got some sort of famous ambassadors connected to it now um who didn't know about the charity before but now want to support it so it was um it was a crazy few months but it it, yeah I kind of look back and think I can't believe we did that
0: that's so (laughs) awesome yeah (laughs) that's so great and using your resources and folks that you already knew to help you with this project and really help a lot of people during this really hard time is just amazing that you were able to do that and then yeah that it expanded so quickly that's awesome
1: it's I think it um it seemed to come at the right time yeah. Um, and was just a really nice thing for people to be involved with. Um, and it was just, yeah, it just it just felt that that was like the idea was dropped into my head from God or a higher power or whatever you want to say. Like, I I don't feel like it was entirely me. It just sort of this idea just sort of thing. It was just suddenly there. And um, and, and it, it, it was the right time. And and I think because um, all these creative people couldn't work, they were quite happy to give their time to it um, and then all these people um, a lot of these poor kids um, that couldn't do their exams they've they've written they've done all their coursework for their art exams for their music exams and I said why don't you enter your artwork that you would have submitted and enter it into this competition into the art category and so a lot of them did so they 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 got these major artists appraising their work which you wouldn't normally guess if you just entered it for your you know your normal school exams So it was trying to give something back to these kids as well who were having a really rough time of it, not being able to be at school, not being able to take their exams, not being able to have the rites of passage that the rest of us normally have. They didn't get prom, they didn't get, you know, all the end of year stuff that normally happens like graduation and things. And so it was trying to give something positive to them as well um when they were going through such a hard time.
0: Yeah. And I love this idea of the pandemic. Like the one positive I feel like is people are looking for creative outlets now and they're kind of yeah. manifesting their work and trying to be creative and think outside of the box. And so I think that's really awesome that you had such high profile people volunteer their time to help others, you know, during this time because yeah. hey, they got nothing else going on. So why not? You know? Exactly. So I think that's awesome. <laughs>
1: exactly and they're really nice people they were were willing to they could have just said no (laughs) but they're (laughs) all really genuinely lovely people and and were just so willing to help and that was that was really overwhelming I just felt like I've been so privileged to know all these people meet them Mm -hmm. through different circumstances in life and and to bring them all together for that that one event was was amazing um so yeah it felt lovely to be able to give something back
0: yeah, for sure. Um the last thing I want to talk to you about um quickly is your new EP that just came out called Get Over It. So can you talk yeah. a little bit about this new project that is had just recently come out?
1: Yeah, it was it was Monday, blue Monday, <laughs> the day where everybody gives up on their new year's resolutions and <laughs> <laughs> just needs a lot of cake and cries. That that day we just decided to release it that day. Um so I wrote it actually with the winner of the over 18 Songwriting um, category from Unlock Your Talent, and she happens to live a village away from me. So we had entries from all over the world. I didn't judge that ca- that that element of that category because I knew some of the people who'd entered. So mm-hmm. um, Joanna Lestrange from the Swingles judged that, and she's quite particular about things because she's such a good songwriter as well. And she um, she judged Nina Sundrum as the 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 winner. And the song is just amazing. And um, one of the, she, she won um, um, a platinum recording package at a, a local studio that I, that I work with um, as her prize. Um, but um, I said, well, would you would you like to have a, a chat about some music stuff? So we kind of chatted online about about things and we kind of made friends and we started to write songs together. and. And then we were, we got the first time we got together. We were writing a song for an a cappella group um, um, who had won the won the choir category, <laughs> judged by Amy Bebbington and and lots of others. Um, that, so we we said oh we'd write we'd write a song for them. So we did that about mental health, and then we just carried on writing. And in this five hour writing session, we wrote five songs, five complete songs, and they all happened to be about mental health, which was quite unusual and so one of these songs was for the Bristol Suspensions, the, the acapella group and then the other four kind of went together really well and I said do you want to release this as an EP and she was like yeah sure and so over the next few months we gradually recorded it, did a lot of distance recording so she'd have to record stuff at her house and i do vocals here and then send it off to the studio so yeah lots of lots of distance <laughs> work and then we um we kind of finished it and got it all all produced and ready and had the artwork made for the cover and um, and released it and it's just I had this massive response. We didn't really, just as independent artists, we didn't expect that response, but people seem to really, really like it because it is quite honest about different aspects of mental health, about you know, masquerade, the first track, it's all about trying to pretend everything put on a mask basically and pretend everything's okay. Um, and that's quite an up-tempo one that, that Nina sings. And then um, Drown Without Water is one that I sing, which is about the kind of the worst bits of depression, mm-hmm. where you you just feel like you're drowning, even though you're not in water, you're just, you're, you're drowning and you're, you're suffocating. And it's, um, and no matter who is with you, no matter even if it's the love of your life that's there holding your hand, you don't even, it doesn't even matter that they're there. You're so far from them in this struggle and so yeah people have been messaging me saying oh I wasn't prepared for that song I've been crying all day listening to it I didn't know it was going (laughs) to be so
0: powerful I I was like oh
1: my goodness I just had no idea that that our EP would have this kind of impact and lots of mental health charities have picked up on it and um yeah it's been it's been a strange week in that way but but amazing That's, that's the first stuff that we've ever written together and um And Nina and I wouldn't have met if I hadn't done Unlock Your Talent because that's how we know each other (laughs) so it's one of these weird things and we've we've written so much together over the last few months every time we get together we just write and write and write and write so we've got lots of other music coming out and we're writing for lots of other people as well so it feels like this real blessing that's come from something that was that was negative something that was difficult like lots Mm -hmm. of really powerful things have come from it um yeah, including this EP, which, uh, yeah, seems to be going down well.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's amazing. Um, I'm going to be sure to tag all that information in this episode description, including your website and everything. So if um, people want to check out the new EP, they can. I would strongly encourage you to, because it does have a lot of connections to mental health. And for those of you that struggle, I'm sure you will find some connection to that EP. So, I'm so happy, Rachel, that you came on and gave us your time to talk with us today and share your experiences and all of the projects that you are doing. You are such an inspiration for so many that are trying to tackle social justice, mental health, all sorts of issues that are going on um, in today's society. So I'm, I'm really honored that you reached out and that you came on and uh, donated your time today.
1: Oh, my absolute pleasure. I've, yeah, absolutely loved it. I love your podcast. So it's a real honor to be part of it. (laughs)
0: Thank you so much. Yeah. It's a lot of work, but it's, it's worth it. Oh,
1: you're amazing.